Hey guys, thanks for being with us. Tonight we're going to be answering the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Thanks for being with us. We hope you enjoy. Hey, let's bring it in and let's pray and we'll get started. All right. Lord, we thank you for this evening. God, we just uh, thank you for all that you do. You are an awesome God and uh, you just take care of us, Lord, in everything that we go through. And Lord, I just pray that Everything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, would be from you, Lord, and that you would just teach all of us here, Lord, just uh, help us just grow in you, Lord, and uh, we love you, and we just pray for your guidance tonight, and we pray this in your name, amen. So this week, guys, we are answering the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Next week, we'll act, answer the question, why do good things happen to bad people? But tonight, we're going to be answering the first part. So... What I think we have to do, though, is we have to answer the question of why do bad things happen to good people. We first have to ask the question, who is good? Because if we say, why is this happening to me? How do we know we're good? So, just out of your guys' thoughts, who's good? When we, when we say, why do bad things happen to good people? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? Who's good? Pertains as to who you're, who's looking at who's good and who's bad. Okay. I would say if you somebody who you know doesn't do anything bad, like from your perspective, doesn't do anything bad, you know, they're a good person, and, you know, just stuff like that. I don't think that if somebody does something bad, it doesn't make them, if somebody, like, does something bad, it doesn't make them a bad person. Yeah. I think a good person's like someone with their heart in the right place, like they know what's right. Yeah. Now, see, I'll go get into it later, but... Jesus is going to correct all of us because Jesus tells us in Luke 18 through 18 verses 18 through 27 that none are good. Starting in verse 18, it says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks this, he says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very good. <coughs> Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Saved. Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. See, what's cool about Jesus saying this, and it talks about it in Romans 3.23, when we looked at it before, it says, All have fallen short of the glory of God. And then if you look in the Psalms, it talks, No one who seeks after God. It says, No one seeks after God. No, no one is good in their own heart. See, anybody who knows Christ, anything good that they do is through Christ's power alone. But all wicked desires, you guys would know yourself. You guys went up and you saw, like, let me ask you, you guys passed, say, a homeless person. You might have compassion on that person and say, man, that person needs to be helped. How many times, though, do we struggle with, I want to help that person, but nah, I really don't want to. Tonight. I have that struggle a lot. I don't know about you guys, but... That See, we wouldn't do it if we didn't have Christ's power. We would say, no, nah, just I'll forget that person. And sometimes we still do that. Well, somebody else will help him. You know what I mean? So Jesus levels the playing field for everybody. He says nobody's good, you know, but the Father. And what's cool about that is that's the hardest part about Christianity. And I, I think I explained that at FCS when maybe it was last Sunday. But to come to Christ, you have to come on your knees. You have to come... And lower yourself. You have to say, I'm not good enough. I mean, because, like we were talking about, God's standard's up here. No, we've all missed it. You know what I mean? And, and the world standard is down here, and say we're shooting for the middle. But when the world standard lowers, our standard lowers. Because our middle is not here anymore. It's down here. Because the scale is different. But God always stays the same. So none are good. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, nobody's good. Now, I'll tell you guys a story that... Now, let me ask you guys. I'm going to do the same thing that my pastor did. At, at, F, F, uh, at First Baptist in Modesto, which is Cross Point. Um, and honestly, I want you to answer the question honestly. I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm just looking honestly in your own hearts. 
who we consider themselves to be a good person. We're not going to curtail or anything. But honestly, you're like, well, I'm decent. Or I'm, I'm good. Who would think of themselves as a good person? Honestly. Okay, wow. Nobody in here, I thought that. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, I consider myself a pretty good person. And this is what he said. He was saying it to the whole high school group, and he was saying, um, then why are you letting your friends go to hell? Why are you not telling them about Jesus? That, like, rocked my world, because it's like, man, I'm not that good. You know, I have friends that don't know Christ, and I do. I have the hope. Like, I, I can't imagine. Me and my mom were discussing this today, and we're talking about praying for your enemies and everything. And anybody who knows Christ, which you guys know your hearts, you know if you know Christ. I can't honestly say, I can't say, I know you know Christ, because I, I don't know your heart. You know, because Judas put on fake, false front. Only Jesus knew he was going to betray him. But imagine waking up with no hope, not knowing where you're going to go when you die, not having the peace of Jesus Christ in the circumstance. That's, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with it. It's just amazing. But we have to stop asking God when stuff happens. Why why me? Why these bad things are happening? Why me? And we just have to remember who God is. Because when we focus on that, we focus on, okay, I know, I know my God. He is a strong God. He's the Alpha, the Omega. Anything we studied at FCS. He's the Alpha, the Omega. The beginning and the end. The calmer of the seas. He cast demons in and out of heaven. He came down and put on flesh. And when we remember that, anything that we're going through, anything that we see going through, if, if they're remembering that, it's going to be easier to focus on what God is doing and less on what's happening to me. Because when the rain's coming down, when it's pouring hard in your life, I mean, it's it seems like everything is getting worse. You're not, you can't see the sunshine at the time in the rain, but you know, you have to know that it's going to come. You have to know that it's going to come. And you, same like in the trials. You're not always going to see God doing the work. You're not going to see what's happening during the trial. You're going to be, you may be just walking by faith. You may just say, okay, God, I, I don't know where I'm going or where you're taking me, but I know that I'm going to come out on the other side because you are leading me. And God will never leave you. He leads you, doesn't leave you. But I like what James 1, 2 through 5. This is our first for this week. This is our header, our, our theme verse. That when you're going through something, remember this. Remember this. James 1, verses 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Consider it pure joy. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. A first good thing that comes from the trials that comes. So we have to know. First thing that we've learned is we've learned that none are good. So that means it on a level playing field for everyone. Our righteousness comes from God. So now we see none are good. You have to look it through the eyes. You have to look. And that that humbles us, too, to say I'm no better than anybody else. The pastor at Hickman said it. It's amazing. I love it. Amen. It's a Christian. We are just beggars that have found food. We are just beggars that have found food. It's so awesome. I love that because it really does level playing field that we all need Christ. And there's nothing better about us. There's nothing good about us, but we've just found Christ. And we have that food that we long for. But everybody else, that the people that don't know Christ, that when before you know Christ, you're bonded in sin. You're, you're bound. You're doing what you know. If you're sinning, if you see somebody... See, it doesn't surprise me. The lady my mom hugged after the one that had cheated with my dad on my mom. My mom went and hugged this lady in the parking lot. She was going to go and rip her eyes up. And then she said, Jake, pray for me. And she went up and she hugged the lady. 
And that it's just awesome how God works in that situation. We were talking about that, and it's like that lady, and, and even after my mom did that, this lady caused havoc just in in our in our family life. Like my brother would wrestle, and she'd show up at wrestling tournaments. And it's like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, we never did anything to you. You know, we didn't do anything to you. My mom showed just an awesome love to you, and it's like. Why are you doing this? But you see, before somebody knows Christ, their nature is to sin still. Their nature is to sin. So they're doing what they know. So when you see somebody that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. And they don't know Christ. Don't let it surprise you because they are doing what they know. And it's sad, but that's what they know. But when you're in Christ, you're free from everything. My so, mom always taught me that, like, since we were little, or, well, actually pretty recently, but she would just teach us, like, you can't expect godly things out of worldly people. And so you just have to, like, look at them and, and just say, like, hey, they're a worldly person. Why would I expect things of the kingdom from them? Exactly. So it, it's just, like, don't get your hopes up for something because why, why would they act that way? They don't know any better. So. Exactly. And you know what you can do for those people is you pray for them. And it's funny because... As I prayed for people, and I told you guys this story, I think, before. As I prayed for people, that kind of, and it was not even on the scale of my mom at all what happened to my mom, but these people kind of made my life a little bit of a, just tough. I mean, it just, they weren't really doing anything, but they just really hate me. Still to this day, I'm just, and I'm just like, I apologize for anything I did, and I just, I hate, I really don't like confrontation and, and people disliking me and stuff. And, and these people were just angry. And as I began to pray for them, like, I was mad at them because I didn't want to pray for them. And God was saying, pray for your enemies. So I was like, okay, I'll pray for them. So I started to pray for them. And then I started to get sad for them. Because it's like, they don't know Christ. How is it to wake up with no hope after death every day? How is it to wake up to all that you can think of as the best this world has to offer? Because, guys, this world doesn't have very much to offer. I don't know if you've known that yet or if you've learned that. That this life is full of stuff. And it... And it's just like, wow, that's sad. I know the peace of my Father. I know the peace of God. I know the the love of my Father in heaven. I know that. I could never get by without it. That would suck so bad. And so it's just like, consider it pure joy. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Your first feeling is this. We can't learn to walk if we don't fall. We can't learn to walk if we don't fall. Babies, when they're learning to walk, they fall a lot. Right? They fall. They get up, they fall, they get up, they fall. Now finally, it's two steps. Fall. Get up three steps. Fall. Four, five, six. Fall. And then they're walking. And then they're running. Right? And they're standing on their own two feet. Same with God in our lives. He turns up the heat little by little. So that man, we will fall. But we'll get back up. And he's strengthening us. He's strengthening us. He's building character. He's he's growing us. Because we start out when you're first a Christian. You start out as a, a, a spiritual baby. You're born. You're reborn. And you start out as a baby. And we're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. And when God turns up that heat, we're not going to have that faith. We're not going to have that faith to move mountains right away. But by God turning up the heat, we're relying on him more. Because like babies rely on their mother for all necessary anything. Right? They, they can't do anything themselves. They rely on their father and their mom. And they can't do anything. Right? So, but the, the mother, they comfort them and, and they build them and, and pretty soon they're doing things on their own. See, God trains us and builds us so we understand it. You're, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, had my mom not going through any of that, she wouldn't be as strong of a Christian as she is today. She lost her brother. She's lost her father. She lost her husband. Uh, all this bad stuff. But she's one of the happiest people you'll ever meet. I guarantee you that. The best woman I know. Sorry, guys. Best mom I'll, I ever will ever know. So, you guys, whatever mom, they come in second. Sorry. <laughs> and you want to dispute that? I'm sorry, but you would. Uh, anyways, and we have to remember this. This came from a movie, but I love it. God is not a genie. God is not a genie. Now, if I ask you guys, I said that, what do you think I mean by that? God isn't a genie. Okay. Anybody else? You don't just pray, like, ask for what you need or want, and it's just going to, like, 
Exactly. See, and that's what it's talking about in the movie, The Save Life, is uh, the guy Jake's going through stuff, and he's like, now I've become a Christian, and I've stopped all this stuff gets hard, and, he, and the pastor says, he's not a genie. He doesn't just pop in and fix things. God doesn't work like that, but he'll get you through it. He'll get you through it. God's not a genie. I love that. But Jesus himself talks about the trials we're going to have in this world. In John 17, verse 13 through 26. He's first praying for his disciples, but then he's praying for all believers. So this, starting in verse 13. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world anymore. Then I am of, let's see, sorry. For they are not of the world anymore, and I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray it's also for those who will believe in me through their message, that in that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know, know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. There's so many things in these verses. And guys, on that handout, it has all the verses that we go over every time on, on the back. It has the verses. But check it out. First, it says, God, I want them to have my joy. See, if we're Christians, we should have that joy. And we should, we should be that light to the world. Even in the stuff that we're going through. And you see that it God... He said, Jesus says right there, he prays, he said, I don't, I, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray that you can protect them from the evil one. And what's cool about that is, it's like, Jesus knows we're going to go through trials, like I told you guys before, it's not when, uh, why, or if we will, but when, is the question. But God's getting into glory, as he should, through our trials and through, through the things we struggle with. I really believe, honestly, that the things that say we struggle with, that somebody doesn't, Somebody else we see doesn't. That's a Christian. You're like, man, I'm having this struggle, but they're having something different, but I don't struggle with the same thing. I believe because God wants us to overcome that. Wants us to overcome any sin we're stuck in, wants us to come any over through any trial, so that He gets the glory, so that we can help others through that, so that He, he will be glory, glorified. See, God's glory is crazy important. And when we give Him glory through the trials... Satan loses, and God wins. Satan loses when God gets the glory. Satan loses when my dad dies, but God still gets the glory. Remember this, that our victory, our thought of the victory, we think, see, me and my brother look at the situation my dad. We're like, okay, if Pop dies, we know that God will be glorified through that. But we also know that if he's healed, he will be glorified through that. So, Obviously, me and my brother wanted my dad to come out of that hill. But because my dad died and wasn't healed, we prayed for healing for my dad. Obviously. But just because my dad died does not mean God did not get the victory. It's not mean God didn't get the victory. So that means if our circumstances don't work out like we think they should or how we want them to, as long as we give God the glory, God wins. Satan loses. God wins. I love rubbing it in Satan's face. And you know what, Satan? You lose. God won. Jesus defeated death. You lose. You lose, Satan. My dad died. God got the glory. 
400 people heard the message of claim. 400. I say 400 because 600 were at the funeral, so I'm accounting for 200 believers, 400 non-believers. My dad would have wanted that. See, we, we never even dreamed how great of a thing it was. But we look back and we're like, man, 600 people got to hear the gospel of Christ at my dad's funeral. That My dad would have loved that. My dad would have loved to speak to that many people in his life. He would never have if he survived. He would have never had it if he would have came through that. But God was glorified in the peace that we had through it all. God was glorified in the people that heard the message. God was glorified in everything that has happened in my life that God's changed and, and just done. And it's funny because God works out these plans. And it's crazy because right after my dad died, two months later, my first nephew was born. My dad never got to see his first grandson, which sucks. But in the same sense, God brought life. He allowed death, but he brought life. He didn't lose hanging, which is awesome. God, God is amazing. That's all I have to say. <laughs> but you guys have to know that we've been talking about life in general, if you look at it from just a worldly perspective, sucks. Cancer sucks. Adultery sucks. Uh, all the bad things in the world sucks. Um, just life in general is tough. But you see, if we have that mindset and we stuck and we get stuck in that mindset, we're never gonna think about all the blessings that God does give us. See it's easy to get on the poor me. It's easy to get on the poor me schedule and the poor me and why does this happen to me and why this and why that. But flip the switch. Flip the switch. Satan loves to get you in that moment. Flip the switch on Satan. And I have a feeling, guys, this week's going to be tough. Just giving you guys a heads up. Because God's going to, if you really want to apply the message, here comes Satan or his demons. And they're going to be like whispering in your ears, well, think about what you're going to Think about God's up there. Flip the switch. Like Philippians 4.8. That's what God says in Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, guys, why focus on the bad when there's good? Why focus on the bad when there's good? I read this in an article today. That's it. I skim articles. I just found one good thing, so I didn't read the article. I'm just giving you guys a heads up. <laughs> um, it says, sometimes God overwhelms us with trials so that we realize that we must lean into his grace and stop trying to live on our own. See, I love that because when things are going right, let me ask you guys. I want to answer, see what you guys think. Is it easier, just in a general sense, for you to praise God when you're going through something, when life's going good or life's going hard? When life's going good, it's easier to praise Him. Okay. Life's going good. Is that a general? Say aye if we agree. One, two, three. Aye. Okay. Let me ask you guys this. If it's easier, do we praise God more? Let me ask you guys this question. Do we praise God more in the hard times, though? Meaning, do we seek Him more in the hard times, or do we seek Him in the easier times? Seek Him more in the hard times. <clears throat> because we're not relying on ourselves. We seek Him in the hard times. See, it's so easy to forget God's right there when we're going through the, hard, the easy times. But when the hard times come, we're not already saying, God, I can't do this. Because we begin to get this mindset, like, I can do life myself. I, I don't need God. There's nothing really too bad going on. We might not say that directly, or we might not think that directly, but we live that way. We're like, we just kind of forget about God and forget to praise Him, even when He got us through something. See, it's funny because we got, for me at least, I get on these spurts where I'm like, maybe going through something hard, I'm like, God, I'm never going to stop praising you now. I'm never going to stop praising you when I get out of this. And then I'll get out of the valley, and God will kind of just slowly drift. Slowly drift, and I'll stop reading my Bible, or, and I struggle with reading my Bible, I'm like you guys know right now. I mean, I'm trying to read every day, that's my goal, to get on my planet every day. But we, we, when we're going through something easy, we're not, we're walking, and, and the steps are perfectly straight, and, and nothing bad, it's God kind of drifts. When the hard times come, and, and we're falling down, we're relying on our Father to pick us up. We're relying on our Father to pick us up. So, let's make it our goal to praise God. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're going through something tough. 
And don't be surprised if you are. If you, God draws us through the hard times. Consider it pure joy, all that these, that the, the uh, testing your faith produces perseverance. See, that's awesome. Because God's chastening you. He said, it says in, uh, I believe, Psalms or, or Proverbs, says, God's chasing those who he loves. Paul in, in Romans asked, he has a thorn in the flesh. Nobody knows for sure what the thorn in the flesh was. But he asked God to remove it on three different occasions. But God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. See, God doesn't always promise to change the circumstances. But he will change you if you allow him to. He will change you. So guys, this week, I want you to think on these five blessings. Instead, when you start, when you start to come, and life starts to come at you, and even if it's not that bad, but somebody's annoying you, or, or just anything, any little thing, think on these things. The first blessing. I have a God that took my punishment upon himself so that I could be forgiven. See, even on our worst day, and I say this, but I don't live it all the time, I, I, really, I really live what, I, what this verse says. It says, I'll have a bad day, and I forget about th- that I have a God that took my punishment upon himself. I have hope for the future. How awesome is that? That I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. There's no doubt in my mind. Not because I'm good, not because of anything like that. Because my wickedness inside and without Christ, I have destruction. But by Christ, I know that when I die, and God says, why should I let you into my kingdom? I say, God, I am not good enough, but your son is. Amen to that. That's what I have to say, because he is good enough. He took my punishment. Makes any day the worst day not so bad, because we're going to have trials in the world. But God's going to take us to heaven. Number two blessing. I get to have an up-close and personal relationship with this amazing God. See, God could have just died for us and said, okay, this is it. You know, just like, say, take for example, maybe a parent just like gives you something and walks away. But see, God, he's like, I'm going to give this life and I'm going to help my child along the way. That's awesome. I'm going to be there with them. I'm going to catch them when they fall. I'm going to catch them. I'm not going to let them fall to the hands of the enemy. I'm going to protect them from the evil. Third blessing, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. It says what's impossible for man is possible for God. Nothing. That means in your worst day, in your worst situation, the world seems to be crashing, that you can still have joy. Now that might seem impossible. Impossible for us, yes, because we can't provide joy. See, the difference between happiness and joy is joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. Happiness does. See, happy is like you get a new car. Wow, I'm super stoked. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I guess. Joy. Man, my parents got a divorce because my dad cheated on my mom, which happened to me. My dad just died. I had a kidney transplant. Also, man, I am walking with my head held high because I have a God that loves me. I have joy and peace to get through. That's joy. It doesn't matter on your circumstances. It doesn't matter what anybody's done to you. It doesn't matter what they're doing to you. It's that you can walk with your head held high because you know God loves you and you know he's given you peace. You know that. See, I love Job. His story is amazing. See, he complained a lot and he, because he had all this crap. But my favorite part is the first thing when, when he's, God's like, you lost all your crops, you lost all your family. See, which was interesting to me. I don't know why, but he left his wife, which is kind of funny. But I, I, I plan on studying that later because I really want to know why. I just thought it was really interesting. Aside from that, that's nothing really important tonight. But he loses everything. He loses his livestock. He loses everything. What does he do? He shaves his head, strips his clothes, and worships God. It says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That is a man of God. That just trips me out. Fourth blessing. I can have joy in the storm I am in. This verse right here is huge. because I'm a huge warrior myself. I'm a huge warrior. Um, but this verse right here is like the key. I mean, you have the antidote. It's like a natural, you drink this antidote, you're instantly heal. I'm telling you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious in nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, that verse, when you're going through something and you're having this, this heart, and your heart's aching and you're, you're broken, pray that verse. Say, God, and, and have confidence in God. Don't get cocky with God. Don't get prideful. But pray. Say, God, you say this in your word. Please answer your word. Please stay true to what you're saying. And don't look for feeling because... I did that once. I was praying, and I prayed the verse, and then I was like, man, I'm not feeling anything. And I was like, wait, I can't live by feeling. I can't live by that, but I have to live by faith. And as soon as I realized that, peace, peace. 
And, she, and that's talking about whatever you're in. You know, in the storm you're in, you can have peace and joy. It says, let all your requests be made known to God. Man, God, this person's coming against me. Tell him everything. Be open. Get real. Get in, in his face. Not in anger to him, but get face to face with him. Get intimate. Tell him, God, this is just so hard. So hard. Today was Communion Sunday, and I just learned about it through SCS, what intimate meant, and I look at the word, you know, and, and it's equated so much to sexual stuff, but that's not at all. If you read the definition of intimate, it just means very up close and personal, and that's what we have with God. And that's cool, and it's like, right? the ultimate Father who cares so much about us and wants to hold us when we hurt. And it's like, why do we turn away from him? Go right there. So what I want you guys to do for a couple minutes, huh? you have number five blank. Blank. It should be number on your paper, on your five blessings to think on. It should be blank. I want you guys to write down something right now that you're thankful for. It's not on, not on the, not on the paper. Just write something that you're thankful for. Is there anything? No, no, no. That's not. That's oh, not on that's the paper. Not that's sorry. That's not already written down. But think about something that you're thankful to God for. God, you provided me, I don't know, you provided me with the roof, you provided me with food every day. Every one of you guys are here, we're in a warm room, we get to meet openly with no persecution, nobody's killing us for our faith, which is happening in other countries, so other countries have to meet underground churches because they're being persecuted, but here we have the safest country to be professing a Christian, you can be thankful for that, you can be thanking God for the trials you're going through because you know that he's changing you. You're God, you can say, God, I know this is hard, but I know that you're there. Those aren't healthy for you. I know, I don't drink very often anymore. Those actually also dehydrate you a lot faster than I don't know. anything else. No, he knows, guys. He knows. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have my blood pressure, too, so probably shouldn't. I could have gotten you one of these. These are good. My brother showed them to me. You can point him. I'm going to have to have a talk to him. Alright. So does everybody have a thankful? Okay. Were you reading it? No. No. What I want you guys to do this week is super easy, but it will get you in your Bible at least. I want you to look for biblical reference to back up what you wrote. Meaning like you're thankful for, say, God being there for you. I want you to look up verses that... Type in Google. This is what I do a lot in my sermons because I know the verses there. I can't remember where it's at, but type in verses for this. So I won't know the verse, but I know it talks about it. So I'll type in a verse. And be like, yeah, that verse is awesome. Let's put that in. So look up this week in Google biblical reference to back up that verse. What I will do is that will make that verse personal. I be, uh, Philippians 4, 6, 7, that's so personal to me because I'm worried a lot. I worry a lot, and I need I, I need the peace of God because I, I get overwhelmed really easy, and so, um, so yeah, just look that up this week. Okay, this is really this next point, guys. I really believe it's if you start to live this way, if you start to live this way, God, your faith will be stretched. You will be grown. You will be able to get through things so much easier. The next feeling when we stop asking why. And begin to ask what? We stop asking why, and we begin to ask what? What I mean by this is because if, when you go through something, a lot of the times our first thought is, why me? Why me? But if we can flip that thought to, okay, God, I don't know why it's me. What do you want me to do here? What or what are you doing here, God? Not even the what are you doing? Because a lot of times God might not show us what He's doing. He might. But ask, what do you want me to do here? See, the, my dad went to ICU once, and then the second time he passed away. The first time I got up there, I'm like, I want to live for God in the hard times. I want to live for God. And I asked God. I said, Okay, God, how do you want me to praise you here? Not how can I praise you? Or how do I praise you here? But okay, God. What do you want me to do? How do I praise you? And that just radically transformed my whole thinking because it's like, if we start asking that, we can glorify God and give God the glory and our focus can not be on ourselves. It can be outward focused and God will get the glory. I love giving God the glory. It's, it's just stoked me. I have an awesome God. I was belting out the words from the inside out today on the way to church. I'm like, so I want all the demons to hear that. 
all, all the demons to hear that. Everlasting, your light will shine when all's fades. I'm just screaming it at the demons. I want every one of them to hear that. That my God is the everlasting God. That he doesn't cower. He defeated death. And he's raising me up after death. And I'm going to heaven. And he's getting us through everything. And he's an all-powerful God. Demons hear that. I love it. I, God is just amazing. Nothing of me. Nothing of me. But I, I just get pumped up because I'm like, I want the demons to hear everyone and save himself. When we're going through something, guys, we have to remember this. That it's Satan's world. Adam and Eve gave the deed. It talks about Revelation where God, Jesus Christ, gets the deed back. And how that's metaphorical and, or literal, it's all, I don't completely understand Revelations, which is nobody does, and that's okay, because if we understood everything of God, it wouldn't be very much of a God, because we're not very much as humans. So, I'm glad that my God has some stuff that I have no idea what he's talking about, which is okay. But it talks about getting the deed back, because when Adam and Eve sinned and fell, they gave that deed. So this feeling... The, the, sorry, the fill-in is the world is not our home. The world is not our home. And see, if we remember this, guys, we remember when walking our, walking through and, and you're going through something hard, it's, it's cool because you're like, you know what? I know this isn't my home. I know that God, the real glory, the real, the real fun and the real joy and the real... Everything is after after this life. See, if you focus your life as an, on an eternal perspective, you get past the here and the now. And you get on to the, all right, God, it's not about now. It's about living for your glory. It's about glorifying you. And the better life comes later. Better life comes later. In Mark 35 through 41, this is the other cool thing that Jesus says. Check this out. That day, this is Mark 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, note this, think, just keep this in your mind. Let us go over to the other side. Just keep that in your mind. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves are banned. So going back into that mind, into your mind, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. See, Jesus told his disciples they were going to get through. And so he's like, why are you worrying? I told you we're going to go to the other side. I didn't say we're going to be rocky along the way. I didn't say we weren't going to be swamped in by water. Same in the, same in, in the world in our lives is Jesus is going to get us through. He doesn't promise it's not going to be rocky along the way. If anything, he promises it will be rocky. But he's going to be there. He's going to be there through those crashes. But see, and the cool part is Jesus is sleeping on a cushion, hanging out, and he's disciples wake him up, and he's like, what the heck? Why do you have no faith? Quiet is awesome. Um, but the cool part is, that's like a lot of times in our situation. We're like, storm, and Jesus is like, chill out. I know everything that's going on. I know you're going to get through. You're going to be fine. Relax. I'm calm up here. I'm your God who's going to take care of you. I'm your father. I died for you. You don't think you can handle this little storm in your life? He's going to get us to the other side. We don't know what that other side may look like sometimes. It may be death. I mean, he might. we might not be healed. My dad wasn't healed, obviously. See, but he'll get us through that. He's going to get us through. He's got every one of our family through my dad's passing and, and through the trials. And he's got my mom through. He's got my mom through every one of her trials. She's going through a lot right now. Big storms. Just crazy stuff. But she's just like, and she gets overwhelmed sometimes, but then she remembers, okay, I'm going to be okay because God's got me. Remember that when you're going through the storms, God's got you. But what's cool about this is the next film. Remember that, remember this, that trials in our life reveal how weak our faith is and how strong our God is. How weak our faith is and how strong our God is. What I mean by that is that See, God chastens us and he, and he grows us. 
Anybody know the process of gold? How they how they purify gold? They and heat it up, melt it. They melt it, and then they to purify it, they turn it up more, and, and they turn it up more until it's pure. Okay, same same with God. God's going to turn up the heat little by little, so that we're sanctified, that we're, we glorify Him, so that we're grown and purified, and just all this stuff. And see, if say we're lacking in impatience, right? Or impatience, that's what we're lacking in patience. God's going to give us a trial that's going to make us patient. If we're lacking in, if we're getting angry all the time, God's going to give us a trial that changes our anger. Because see what He does, He, he gives us spiritual spankings to help us change. Spiritual spanking. And, and see, we might be walking like, yeah, I don't have very much wrong with me. And then we hit a trial, or we do. We fall on our knees because we can't stand. That's our, we fall. See, God knows where we're weak. Where we're weak. So he allows things to strengthen us and build us up. Everybody knows in here that if they've gone through something hard and, and gone with God through it, that they've came out stronger than before and looked back and like, okay, I know why. I know why you allowed this. This is what I was like and this is what you changed. I love that. Because God's not going to give you something for no reason. Remember that. God's not going to give you something just, ah, oh, I feel like letting go through death or adultery or losing or being a loser or anything like that. God doesn't do that. He only allows things that we need. And you have to remember that God's never going to leave you. We've said that before. I don't have the verse to back it up, but he talks about God will never leave you nor forsake you. God doesn't leave us nor forsake us. But for our closing, we're going to look at Romans 18, 18, or sorry, Romans 8, 18 through 39. Just listen to this. If you guys haven't heard anything all night and you've just been bored, listen to this. And just... I want you guys to really, anything that applies to you, hold on to it, because this is really good. You have to know that God's always with you. Okay, this is what Paul says. Paul went through a lot. Listen to what he says. I consider, i sorry, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to the sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. We're going to pause right there. Because think about the trials. Think about everything you're going through or you've been through. My mom said this today, and it's cool. If we didn't go through this, we wouldn't long for heaven. We wouldn't long for well, the amazing, just the awesome place that heaven's going to be, but we'd be like, oh, I'm super excited for this world. See, there's a song that says, I want to go to heaven. I think it's Kenny Chesney. It says, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Or that's an older song. Kenny Chesney talks about going to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight or right now. But if you really knew your Father and your creation, you would long for heaven. If you don't long for heaven, check yourself, because I'm telling you what, and, and if you don't, you may be a Christian, I'm not. I, I was the reason why I changed my thoughts. Sorry. You may be a Christian. You may not long for heaven right now. But when you hit a trial, you're going to long for the, any way out of it. But I'm telling you, if you begin to see God is just how awesome that place heaven is, this world means nothing. Because the best God, the worst God has is better than the best this world has. The worst God has is better than the best this world has. And just longing for heaven, you, you when you go through the hard times, you're longing. You begin to just Ah, I can't wait for heaven. No more cancer, no more sickness, no more liars, thieves, adulterers, no more fornicators, no more just all the wicked stuff. It's gone. It's gone. But you're with your heavenly Father in heaven, who's joy and peace. And, and see, a lot of people have a selfish view of heaven, like, I can't wait to get there. Because I used to think, oh, I can't wait to get there and it's no more. I can't wait and I can't wait where it doesn't hurt when I fall or something like that. But it's funny because. Why would I want to be anywhere else than at my Father's feet, praising Him 
for everything that he has done and is doing. He's providing the peace every day for eternity. His ultimate peace. Bowing at his feet. That's just, why would I want to be anywhere else but there? And I long for that now. God, I can't wait to be at your feet and praise you all day long. I cannot wait. I cannot wait just to be at your feet. And it's just awesome. Picking up in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in according with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God things, God's works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God knew, or knew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. See, God, He starts this work and saying so He doesn't finish until we get there. He, he's always going to be working. He's always working. And He's doing it for the good. He's, it, it, see, if we trust God rather than ourselves, I mean, who has a better plan? Us or God? God, right? It's funny, there's a joke that says, how do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. <laughs> it's just super good because my plan could never be better than God, but sometimes I think it's good. Um, it's not. <laughs> um, picking up in 31. Check this out. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was separate, sorry, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. For Jesus interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, uh, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. See guys, the world hates us. The world hates us. Because we're not of the world. We're different. We're, we're in Christ. We look different. And if you look like the world, you shouldn't. Because if you're changed for Christ, you should be so different than the world. The world looks at you and is like, man, that's different. People don't want to hang out with you because you don't drink, you don't party, you don't cuss. That's a good thing. Don't take that as a negative. Say, man, okay, cool. God, that's okay. And I used to take it as a negative thing, but I'm standing out for my father, and that's worth it. That's worth it. And it's all God. Because my flesh wants to be accepted. My flesh, all of it. But it's God that says, be different. And he changed me. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of the God, love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our God. Good people go through bad things because God allows it to change us. Good people go through bad things because God wants to refine us, wants to sanctify us, wants to change us. Wants, we wouldn't reach out for God if God didn't reach down to us. God allows those things. God allows, if we see somebody that we perceive as good and they don't know Christ, they're longing in their hearts, they don't know Christ. And Jesus levels the playing field saying, no, they're good. Romans says, all have fallen short. So look at it on an even perspective. And if you think you're good, bring yourself humbly and say, God, I'm telling you, when you recognize the wickedness or just the depravity of ourselves, I'm just like, okay, God. And even if you don't have that angry heart, because you know the difference between your flesh and between your spirit. You know that what you should do and what you should do for God and what you want to do in your own personal life. You want to, you know, it, said, it talks about I think in James where it says, don't let anyone say God is tempting him, but he's being enticed by his own lust. See, nobody escapes from their own flesh. They, they have their own flesh. We have that war, like we talked about, the war with the world, flesh, and Satan. And humble yourself. Say, man, and I'm going to tell you what, my, my uncle used to talk about that, and I'd be like, man, that's, 
it's harsh to look at the depravity of man and the goodness of God because it's complete opposites. But if you look at that, your elevation of God is you're, you start to hold him up to a whole new level, saying, "Wow, God, I did this. I I sinned against you. I put you on that cross. I put you on that cross." But thank you for loving me. And even in my own life, I'm saying, "God, I would uh, if you had not come to save me, I would probably I wouldn't praise you." But that's just how selfish our nature is. Because God, God didn't have to send His Son to die for us. He could allow us to go to hell because we did it. We didn't. God didn't do it. But God loved us enough to reach down. And even in our selfishness, He's like, I know you guys think we're good. I know that if I didn't die to save you, I know you wouldn't praise me. I know that the depravity would, but I love you enough, I'm going to reach down anyways. And see, so when we do that, God is elevated. And when we are lowered, it's just like, wow, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. You don't stand in this poor me state, but you're like, what the heck? God, you're amazing. And, you, and the fear of God, which is the reverence, becomes just awesome. So, that's what we're doing. Guys, uh, uh, I just, God's awesome. I, he prepared this sermon completely him. And I, I thank him. And I thank you, Lord, for doing that. So let's close it up in prayer, guys, and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. God, you just are incredible. Lord, and, and you know that what we're going through, Lord, you are calm, you're sleeping in the boat of our lives, God, and, and uh, I just pray that, Lord, each of us in here, Lord, would not be prideful, Lord, but we'd recognize our true state, and Lord, just praise you and glorify you, not in a harsh way, Lord, um, but show us the, the just the glory of yourself, Lord, and, and reveal to us just that, why we need you, Lord, and just whatever that means for each individual person, person I pray that you would do that, Lord, and I pray that you would humble us, God, and Lord, through all the hard stuff, Lord, we would praise you. We love you, and we just uh, pray for a, a safe week, God, and, and just help us, Lord, to do whatever we can to glorify you this week um, and just get us through. And we pray this, and Lord, help us to not be hearers only, but doers of the, of the word. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for checking in with us this week and answering the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Stay tuned for next week's episode when we answer why do good things happen to bad people. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you later.